Welcome everybody tonight, Tuesday night, and uh, thank you for being here. Uh, if I may ask uh, of you <laughs> to uh, say a little prayer on my behalf, uh, just specifically in the topic of, uh, you know, not that I would proclaim myself as a true messenger, but how to recognize true messengers by their words, uh, the uh, the desire is uh, of my heart is that I might be able to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so, if you might say a little prayer to that end, that uh, that I might speak, you might receive, and uh, we might be edified together, that uh, that would be awesome. So, thank you in advance, whoever does that. Um, this is a topic that has come up for some reason, uh, several times in uh, in my personal life over the past several months and even a couple of years uh the the premise is is basically that you know whether you were active lds inactive lds ex lds um you know never been lds the in in the lds tradition we've lived for um we've lived with the premise that a prophet can never lead the church astray which uh, and and whether that pertains to the president of the church his counselors 12 apostles of the church any prophet at any time in history in the scriptures yet the premise seems to extend to anybody who who holds some ecclesiastical office whether defined or implied now dustin grady did a lesson on this on whether this premise is true uh, titled "Does a uh, Does God Allow a Prophet to Lead Us Astray?" Uh, back in May, and it can be seen here. Now, using dozens of scriptures and examples from early church history uh, that uh, that Dustin used, the matter is clear that men, even those in ecclesiastical positions of authority, are yet fallible and may lead the people astray. Now, when people realize this. Uh, Sometimes they they have they freak out. <laughs> I I was kind of one of those. Um, I did go through a period where I jumped from one extreme to to another. Um, the tendency is that I move from the position of I do whatever a prophet or apostle says simply because they said it to. The other end of the spectrum of I'm not going to do anything that any man says. I'm only going to listen to God. So I'm going to erase all hearkening to potential true servants whatsoever. And I like to find reconciliation because as I look in the scriptures, I see uh, I see both. Uh, I, I see two two principles of God uses true servants. Because the scriptures, I mean, the fact that we have scriptures are proof that God uses mortals to do his work. But on the other end, the fact that we can be blind sheep if we're not tuning into the Lord, that is also a, a true principle. So I, I like to find reconciliation. And that is the point of this study tonight is to find that middle ground between the two extremes uh, that place where we we hearken unto the words of true servants, which are given and confirmed by the power of the Holy Ghost. So, in essence, we're doing both at the same time, ideally. 
Now, first, I want to look at some examples of somebody speaking and others believing them. So what does it mean by by their words or they hear, they hearken unto their words or they believe their words? Uh, is it just because they said the words alone and they were in a position or is there more implied? So first, we'll go to 1 Nephi chapter 1, starting in verse 4 and 5. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. And in that same year, there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent, or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. So, in other words, mortals are coming, and by their words... They're speaking that people must repent. Now, any anybody can say, you need to repent. Anybody can say that. How do we know if they're a true servant? How do, we know, how do I know if I need to repent? How do I know if God is sending me that message through that person? Going into verse 5. Wherefore, it came to pass that my father, Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, even with all his heart in behalf of his people. So we... We're getting highlights here in two verses. What is happening in between is, you know, people, prophets are speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost that people need to repent. Lehi needs to repent. He needs to change his heart, turn his life over to God. And by uh, implication, Lehi is being pricked. And Therefore, he's going to the Lord. He's praying unto the Lord. He's seeing his own fallen state and also realizing if this pertains to me, this is pertaining to everybody because they're preaching to everybody in Jerusalem that we need to repent or will be destroyed. So next, following that up, we get uh, starting in verse 18 and 19. Now, just as a preface, he's going from this point of praying for, praying for his people, receiving the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost, and then receiving a vision where he becomes the person who is now called and told to go and preach repentance. So in verse 18, therefore, I would that you should know that after the Lord had shown so many marvelous things unto my father Lehi, yea, concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. Behold, he went forth among the people and began to prophesy and to declare unto them concerning the things which he had both seen and heard. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them, for he truly testified of their wickedness and their abominations. And he testified that the things which he saw and heard and also the things which he read in the book manifested plainly, plainly of the coming of a Messiah and also the redemption of the world. Now, I want to fast forward to chapter 2, verse 1, because it makes a connection to what he's doing here. Why is he doing this? Is he doing this just because he loves the people, because he's afraid of their destruction? Um, is he doing it out of pride? Is he saying, you know, okay, now I've been redeemed and all of you 
you're still wicked. So I'm judging you and I'm telling you that you need to repent. In verse 1, chapter 2. For behold, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto my father, yea, even in a dream, and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Lehi, because of the things which thou hast done, and because thou hast been faithful, and declared unto unto this people the things which I commanded thee. Behold, they seek to take away thy life. So we get the connection here that when somebody receives the word through a true servant and they're pricked by the power of the Holy Ghost and their heart is soft and they repent. They turn their life over to the Lord. They enter the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. That then the Lord in in giving them a sanctification, even the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost now calls them to take that place where they were on one side, now they're on the other. And so he gives them commandment of, now that I have sanctified you, now that you have followed the, uh, you've hearkened to the voice of true prophets, now I call you and go and say and do this thing. Next. First Nephi 2 in 16 and 17. We get Nephi's account of him receiving. He's in he's now in that position of Lehi is the one speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost and preaching repentance. And he's speaking it unto his family. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God. Wherefore, I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart, that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father. Wherefore, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. And I spake unto Sam, making known unto him the things which the Lord had manifested unto me by his Holy Spirit. And it came to pass that he believed my words. So we see this chain. We see prophets speak and Lehi is converted. And then Lehi speaks and Nephi is converted. And then Nephi speaks and Sam is converted. So we see this chain of of speaking and hearing, of giving and receiving by those who are receiving by the power of the Holy Ghost to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. And those who are hearing those words, they're receiving them. And we'll talk a little bit later about this condition of whether, uh, you know, people are sorted, whether they'll receive them or, or reject them. In verse 18, But behold, Laman and Lemuel would not hearken unto my words. And being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, I cried for, I cried unto the Lord for them. So we see here this dichotomy of in verse, in verse 16, he's speaking about the Lord did soften my heart. And in verse 18, he's talking about the hardness of the hearts of his brothers. So this 
this uh, paradox of whether we have a soft heart or a hard heart is is repeated over and over in the scriptures. And there's a reason for that because it is directly connected to the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. If we're exercising a broken heart and contrite spirit, we are softening our hearts or allowing the Lord to soften our hearts. And if we're not entering the new and everlasting covenant, we are hardening our hearts. We'll get to some scriptures on that specifically uh, here coming up. Some other examples. First Nephi 7 verses 4 and 5. And it came to pass that we went up unto the house of Ishmael, and we did gain favor in the sight of Ishmael, insomuch that we did speak unto him the words of the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord did soften the heart of Ishmael, and also his household, insomuch that they took their journey with us down into the wilderness to the tent of our father. So again, we see another link in this chain. That now, uh, I mean, even if Laman and Lemuel hardened their hearts. They still went down. Uh, they didn't complain about going and seeking for wives, <laughs> but they were able to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, the things that were true, the things that were given to Lehi, the reason why they were not in Jerusalem anymore, why they had left, and saying all those things, speaking truth the testimony of the Holy Ghost was given to Ishmael and his family, and they softened their hearts, they accepted it with gladness, and they joined Lehi and his family. First Nephi 10.22, where Nephi is speaking. And the Holy Ghost giveth authority that I should speak these things and deny them not. Now, some people might take... Uh, might see that on its face and say, Nephi is being pretty arrogant here. That he's just saying some words and then he's he's causing us to be subject to his words by claiming that he's got authority by the Holy Ghost. But I would submit that if we if we go in that same chapter, uh, just back a few verses. In verse 17, came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the words <clears throat> which he saw in vision and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God, and the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. Now there's this, this thing that happens when somebody is speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost and we simultaneously are exhibiting a softened heart where we desire truth uh, we're we're placing ourselves before the Lord and desiring to know light, knowledge, truth, his will. That there is this simultaneous reception and confirmation. 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. That the one speaking and the receiver, as I mentioned earlier at the at the beginning, that there's that connection that the 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 Holy Ghost is acting as the catalyst for giving and receiving light and truth and and pure intelligence, knowledge and understanding that comes from God. Omni 1, verses 12 and 13. This is another example of somebody receiving from the Lord, sharing with others. Behold, I am Malachi, the son of Abinadam. Behold, I will speak uh, speak unto you. Sorry, speak unto you somewhat concerning Mosiah, who was made king over the land of Zarahemla. For behold, he being warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi. Sounds like what happened with uh, with Lehi in Jerusalem. And as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord should also depart out of the land with him into the wilderness. Now, some might say, well, he was a prophet. And DNC one thirty eight says whether by mine own voice or by my, the voice of my servants it is the same. Now that's the true principle. It's a true scripture. But on its face, I could be wrong. I don't. I don't know that he was an ecclesiastical leader in the you know in the status of a prophet. Um, he was just one of the Lord, and he shared it with others. And they didn't just take his word for it. They went to the Lord and asked. And I would, I would suggest that the same thing happened, whether simultaneously or, or a period in between. The same thing happened with, uh, with Nephi, with Sam, um, you know, at least with, uh, with Ishmael and his family. I don't begrudge them that they receive the word, and then they go and pray about it. You know, even, even them saying, all right, we've heard this. Thank you for letting us know. Let us go to the Lord with it. Let us receive our own witness. That is another way that we receive by true messengers and receive confirmation from the Lord. It doesn't always have to be simultaneous. It hasn't always been simultaneous for me. Uh, there have been times where I've had to study things out, take it to the Lord, um, sometimes come to my own conclusions, go in the scriptures and, and receive a confirmation that way. Sometimes there's a, there's that time period, time lapse in between, but sometimes it's awesome when it's instantaneous. Now back to verse 13. And it came to pass that he did according as the Lord had commanded him. And they departed out of the land into the wilderness, as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And they were led by many preachings and prophesyings. And they were admonished continually by the word of God. And they were led by the power of his arm through the wilderness until they came down into the land, which is called Zarahemla. So this is yet another example of somebody, an individual receiving the word of the Lord, sharing it with others, Others, either simultaneously or after a period, receiving a witness by the power of the Holy Ghost that what they received was true. Mosiah fifteen eleven. Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of 
the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord, I say unto you that all those who have hearkened unto their words and believed that the Lord would redeem his people and have looked forward to that day for a remission of their sins, I say unto you that these are his seed, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. And I want to do a cross-reference to DNC 76, verse 51. And this, starting in 51, um, maybe in 50, if I uh, am misremembering. Yeah, starting in 51, he gives the... Uh, I hate to say checklist, but the the process of of what people experience who are going to be coming forth in the morning of the first resurrection or in the resurrection of the just. And they who they are they who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the to the commandment which he has given. Now, after a couple more scriptures, I, I just want to give uh, give some full um, I guess full uh, several options for you to choose from of what scriptures just to to see that there's a pattern here. There's a pattern in the Lord sending His word to an individual, to a people, um, them sharing it, it being witnessed. Um, but this, this pattern that we just saw in Mosiah 15 and DNC 76, I'm going to come back to in JST Matthew 5 and 3 Nephi 12 here in a moment. Before we go there, Alma 18, 22. We can see this on its, on its face. We can just say, oh, well, Ammon just said his opinion and, um, or he, he wanted to, to speak his, uh, you know, his own words, his own learning. And, uh, and that's what's going on here. Now, Ammon being wise yet harmless, he said unto Lamoni, wilt thou hearken unto my words? If I tell thee by what power I do these things, and this is the thing that I desire of thee. And fast forwarding to, um, well, before we go there, I'll just read 23 since it's right there. And the king answered him and said, yea, I will believe all thy words. And thus he was caught with guile. And he begins to teach the gospel. He begins to teach the doctrine of Christ from the beginning of the world, starting with Adam. And... Uh, you know, obviously what Adam taught his children, as we learn in Moses 6, that Adam received the gospel. And then Adam was commanded to teach his children the gospel, the plan of salvation, which is the doctrine of Christ. As we, <laughs> as we learn in, uh, just look at it quick, so I get the verse right. Um, Moses 6, verse uh, verse 62, where he specifically says, this is the plan of salvation unto all men. And so he's teaching, Ammon is teaching Lamoni 
the doctrine of Christ, how to come from the wilderness of unbelief into the presence of the Lord. And he's teaching him everything in between. The broke, uh, a broken heart and contrite spirit, the new and everlasting covenant. How to, how to make, how to bridge this gap. And the means by which we bridge that gap, which is Jesus Christ, every step of the way from the wilderness to the tree. And as he's teaching him this, he is backed up by the Holy Ghost. He's speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost because we we can see what is happening to Lamoni. He's going from being a murderer of his own people to crying out unto the Lord. And we'll we'll come to that later um, as we we see examples of of those who those who receive with gladness, those who soften their heart, those whose hearts are pricked and uh, and they change their life. They turn their life over to the Lord. The next scripture pertains to his wife, who is receiving also just the word of Ammon. And he said unto the queen, he is not dead, but he sleepeth in God. And on the morrow he shall rise again, therefore bury him not. And Ammon said unto her, believest thou this? And he said unto her, uh, sorry, sorry, she said unto him, I have had no witness save thy word and the word of our servants. Nevertheless, I believe that it shall be according as thou hast said. Now, I would suggest in following up in the next verse, I'll just scroll down here. And Ammon said unto her, Blessed art thou because of thy exceeding faith. I say unto thee, woman, there has not been such great faith among all the people of the Nephites. Now, in many of the uh, broadcasts previously over the past year or so, it's been spoken of that faith is not merely belief. Faith is seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation. And I would submit that this experience right here with Lamoni's wife is one of those instances where she is simultaneously receiving by the power of the Holy Ghost. And she's receiving that sure knowledge and that pure intelligence to be able to say, I believe your words on their face. Because I have no other witness. Nobody else has told me this. Only you and, you know, and the servants of my husband, they've said that you're, you know, you're a holy prophet. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the use of the words that she has exceeding faith, even greater than that of the Nephites, I would, uh, I would posit that, that this is one of those instances where he's speaking about the power of the Holy Ghost She's receiving by the power of the Holy Ghost, and she's believing because she's receiving that pure intelligence. Now, lastly, Alma 48, verses 19 and 20. And now behold, Helaman and his brethren were no less serviceable unto the people than was Moroni. For they did preach the word of God, and they did baptize unto repentance all men, whosoever would hearken unto their words. Again, this principle of by their words. And thus they went forth, and the people did humble themselves because of their words. 
insomuch that they were highly favored of the Lord, and thus they were free from wars and contentions among themselves, yea, even for the space of four years. So again, we have an instance here where we're seeing, if we just step back and we read the words on their face, we just say, oh, they're just taking their word for it. However, we'll see as we go through uh, more scriptures that it is not simply a taking for granted the words of somebody in a certain position. Because granted, Helaman and his brothers, um, Shiblon, Corianton, um, Zeezrom, if I'm remembering correctly, um, Ammon, Aaron, they're still there. They're still preaching just because they're in a position ostensibly of ecclesiastical authority does not necessarily mean that people are just taking their words at face value. There is that dynamic of speaking by the power of the Holy ghost, by a true servant receiving by the power of the Holy ghost, by somebody whose heart is broken and whose spirit is contrite. And that conversion is happening in that latter party because they're receiving from God. They're receiving the word, the witness from the Holy Ghost to do, to do those things, to be baptized, to, uh, to seek revelation themselves, um, to even get in the position where they're teaching, they're preaching, they're sharing their witness. So now let's go to Christ's words on the matter. First, we'll go to JST Matthew 5, 1 through 4. Now, just as a preface, unfortunately, you will not find this on the LDS website. You won't find it either in your uh, JST section in your quad. But um, this, is, this is important information that thankfully we, sh we received by the uh, intermediary of Joseph Smith. And Jesus, seeing the multitudes, went up into a mountain. And when he was set down, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are they who shall believe on me. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe on your words, when ye shall testify that ye have seen me and that I am. So notice there, more blessed are they who shall believe on your words. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe on your words and come down into the depth of humility. Even the, even the uh, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, the new covenant. And be baptized in my name, for they shall be vis uh, visited with fire and the Holy Ghost and shall receive a remission of their sins. And you'll see, so this is the preface of the, the Beatitudes that I, I wish it was still there. Luckily, uh, those of us who have the Book of Mormon, we still have, um, we still have this in 3512. And we'll go there here. And you can see the, the similarity of the wording. Okay, in 35, 12, verse 1, And it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words unto Nephi, 
and unto those who had been called. Now the number of them who had been called and received power and authority to baptize, I would say by water, was twelve. And behold, he stretched forth his hand unto the multitude and cried unto them, saying, Blessed are ye, if ye shall give heed unto the words of these twelve whom I have chosen from among you to minister unto you, and to be your servants. And unto them I have given power that they may baptize you with water. And there's the confirmation of the uh, uh, parenthetical I added. And after that ye are baptized with water, behold, I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, blessed are ye, if ye shall believe in me and be baptized, after that ye have seen me and know that I am. So just in this verse, we have the two parties. We, we have the servants being called and the served or the multitude. And then we get a third party here. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe in your words, the multitude. I would say the collective of them, but it includes the multitude now. Who shall believe in your words because that ye shall testify that ye have seen me and that ye know that I am. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe in your words and come down into the depths of humility and be baptized for they shall be visited with fire and with the Holy Ghost and shall receive a remission of their sins. So again, we see this chain of the Lord calling initial servants, the initial 12, and they are to be servants for the multitude. And then we see uh, later on that they are called, um, I mean, to, to more specific positions, you know, teaching um, and, and preaching. But even here that he says to believe on your words, the next set of in the chain, you've seen me, you're the multitude, you're standing here and, and seeing me, but more blessed are they who will believe on your words. And I would submit here and receive with a softened heart by the power of the Holy ghost, your testimony. Even as we read in, in uh, section 76, they who the, they are they who received the testimony of Jesus. And we receive the testimony of Jesus. If it's not coming directly, uh, most often the time is that somebody who is speaking, somebody who receives uh, called as a servant, they are speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost. As we keep mentioning, and I, I want to keep pounding on it, and it may sound like a broken record, but this is so important for us to understand that we have to both, if we're going to go out and preach and share the gospel, we have to do the necessary things to make sure that we're speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost. Else, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not going to be... Um, we're not going to be preaching with power and authority. The power and authority that that Nephi mentioned in the final verse of First Nephi 10, where he says, I speak by the, um, the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And um, I'm paraphrasing that. Okay. Now. What are some instances of this happening. 
So first, let's go to Acts 2, starting in verse 4, and then culminating in verse 37 and 38. Just going to read those three verses. Um, if you want the context, please read the, the, uh, the verses in between those, and you'll get the full story. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, they being the twelve apostles, as the, uh, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They're speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, what happens when somebody speaks by the power of the Holy Ghost? Now, that, now when they, the multitude, those in the room, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now this sounds a lot like the mirror to what Jesus said in JST Matthew 5. And what he said in 3 Nephi 12, where the preaching of the word pricks the heart of those who have a softened enough heart. Um, those who, who seek the, the truth enough, who are exercising enough of the new covenant, that they receive, they receive the witness. And now they humble themselves to that witness and say, what do we need to do? And now as a witness of what to do next, of entering the new covenant, being baptized by water, and the following to that is receiving the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and through that ordinance, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That takes us to the next level. Receiving by the Spirit, receiving by the Lord, um, being able to speak with the tongue of angels, as it talks about in 2 Nephi 32, uh, 31 and 32, actually. It was talking about the doctrine of Christ. Speaking with a new tongue, speaking uh, with the tongue of angels, speaking prophecy. And speaking prophecy is, is, is not simply <laughs> foretelling the future, but it's giving the mind and will of God at that moment, which we'll touch on here as we go. Next, Ether 4.10. And we'll see, I'm going to link a handful of scriptures here that have the same message. That admonition from Jesus Christ of what we need to do if we are still in that wilderness stage, if we're still in that, that stage before receiving the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost, even maybe before we even believe in Jesus Christ. And he that believeth not my words, believeth not my disciples. And if it so be that I do not speak, judge ye. For ye shall know that it is I that speaketh at the last day. Let me read that next verse also, verse 11. But he that believeth these things which I have spoken, him will I visit with the manifestations of my spirit. And he shall know and bear record. So again, 
Whosoever believes these things will receive from Christ. Christ will visit with the manifestations of his spirit, the light of Christ, pure intelligence, and he shall know and bear record. He'll receive that pure intelligence and then bear record, send it out, creating that chain. I received, now I have to give. And creating that, that chain in the family, the, uh, ideally creating the family of Christ where people are entering the new covenant and they're coming unto and receiving the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost, which is the means by which we enter the family of Christ. He becomes the father. We become his children in the covenant. Next, hearkening back to Doctrine and Covenants 1, verse 38. What I, the Lord, have spoken, I have spoken, and I excuse not myself. And though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass away. But shall all be fulfilled, whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. Now, it's only by the voice of his servants when they're speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, else it's not his voice. I, I hope you see that connection. Joseph Smith uh, purportedly said that uh, I'm only a prophet when I'm acting as such. And that's a paraphrase. Forgive me if it's not accurate. But what he's evoking with that is that a prophet has to be speaking by the power and influence of the Holy Ghost for him to be able to him or her, I'll say, to be able to claim that they are speaking, that they have, like like Nephi said, that they have the authority of the Holy Ghost. And forgive me, I'm just turn it back here. I like to I like to say things specifically as they're worded, so I don't take too much liberty. And the Holy Ghost giveth authority that I should speak these things and deny them not. That's again First Nephi ten verse twenty two. So, hearkening back to this notion of whether by my own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. And I would, I would say just parenthetically that he's saying this in this section, in this revelation, because he's speaking of things, he's speaking prophecy. Christ is foretelling those things that are, are going to happen. And he's hearkening to those prophets in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, even in the Book of Mormon, that have prophesied of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost. And all of these things that he lays out to happen at the end of the world have already been foretold. And they've been prophesied by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so because they come, there's that link. God, man, Holy Ghost, power of the Holy Ghost. Where, where we're receiving from a mortal God's words. Okay. DNC 84 verses 36 and 37. For he that, he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth my father. And I would say if if one claiming to be a servant is not 
doing exactly what the Lord would have him do, then he's not a servant. So there's, there's inference here when, where he says, for he that receiveth my servants receiveth me. And by which we have to know, we have to be able to tell the difference between who is a true servant and who is not a true servant. And the means by which we do that is discerning by the power of the Holy Ghost, by their words. Do their words, or does the Spirit testify of their words? Is there power and pure intelligence coming from the Lord as a mortal is speaking to us? Okay, next. Matthew 10:40 on this same he that receiveth you speaking to his disciples receiveth me and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me it's this process of ascension that is unfolded again in doctrine and covenant 76 in that that step by step of first receiving the testimony of Jesus and then being baptized, and then receiving the, the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, and then coming into the rest of the Lord. And I should be going up because it's an ascension, not a descension. <laughs> okay, DNC 84, verses 64, and then 74. Eighty-four, sixty-four, and seventy-four. There we go. Therefore, as I said unto mine apostles, I say unto you again that every soul who believeth on your words and is baptized by water for the remission of sins shall receive the Holy Ghost. This is another hearkening to the JST Matthew and the Third Nephi twelve. It's that same process. He's giving it again and again and again and again, showing us what the what the path is. What the doctrine of Christ is, the path to him, the path through him and by him, it's it's all the same and it's repeated over and over. And again, if I sound like a broken record, it's on purpose because these are the means by which we receive the Lord. These are the means by which we receive the Father. And if we don't understand this, then it's just going to hamper our, our eternal progression, eternal ascension. We're not going to uh, eternally progress or ascend if we do not do these things. There's a starting point, and, and it is receiving by the power of the Holy Ghost. And verse 74, verily, verily, I say unto you, this is the flip side of that. They who believe not on your words and are not baptized in water in my name for the remission of their sins, that they may receive the Holy Ghost, shall be damned and shall not come into my Father's kingdom where my Father and I am. So he makes it pretty clear that we have to receive the words of true servants who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Again, that is the, that is the crux. It's not simply somebody who is in a position. Um, it is acting on the words that are given by a mortal, by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, as I say that, I want to add in, if it's an angel appearing to us, we know that there are true angels and false angels. So we still need to test by the power of the Holy Ghost what, uh, the source of that message. Is it coming from Father? Is it a deception? We're going to touch on that here briefly. Okay. 3 Nephi 28, 34. And woe be unto him that will not hearken unto the words of Jesus, and also to them whom he hath chosen and sent among them. For whoso receiveth not the words of Jesus, and the words of those whom he hath sent, receive not him. And therefore he will not receive them at the last day. We need to find this middle ground of not just doing everything a mortal says on its face, or rejecting every mortal that comes across our path. We have to find that true, uh, those true servants who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost witnesses of it. We have to always be tying into the Lord as the final say, whether in that moment or as we study it out after the fact. And that is how we take the Holy Spirit to be our guide, which is a scripture that, that uh, will come later. Okay, 35, 19. And this is Jesus praying to the Father and giving witness of the importance of, of receiving by their words. And again, by their words, by the power of the Holy Ghost is inferred. Father, I pray thee that thou wilt give the Holy Ghost unto all them that shall believe in their words. And 23, and now, Father, I pray unto thee for them and also for all those who shall believe on their words, that they may believe in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one. Again, he's giving this process of ascension in a very... Uh, condensed manner of receiving receiving repeatedly by the power of the Holy Ghost, whether from God himself, uh, through revelation, uh, direct revelation, or through a mortal. Verse 28, Father, I thank thee that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen because of their faith. And I pray for them and also for them who shall believe on their words, that they may be purified in me through faith on their words. And again, faith, seeking after, receiving, and acting on revelation, even as they are purified in me. So that faith, I just mentioned it, but I'll say it another way. Exercising faith on the words of true servants is the action that we take, where it's not just somebody said it, I'm going to do it, without thinking at it at all. Um, you know, taking no thought beforehand, like, uh, like the rebuke says. So the Lord expects us to, to think on things, to be in the moment, to soften our heart and to, to be seeking after truth from him. And we can, we can make the connection between heaven and earth, between mortals and heavenly beings. All right, so how do we know who is speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost? First Nephi 3, 
20. This is making a hearkening to the scriptures. And also that we may preserve unto them the words which have been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets, which have been delivered unto them by the spirit and power of God since the world began even down unto this present time. And I, would, I love this too. <laughs> it hearkens to their words. Verse 21, and it came to pass that after this manner of language, I did persuade my brethren that they might be faithful in keeping the commandments of God. And this is speaking of the, the importance of scriptures and scriptures are just the past tense of somebody speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost and it being recorded. So whether somebody is um, speaking in, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 150 years ago, a thousand years ago, if they spoke by the power of the Holy Ghost and it was recorded, then the power of the Holy Ghost can bear witness to us, which is, it's the whole crux of what we're invited to do to pray about the Book of Mormon, if it is a true record of scripture. Because all of these words are thousands of years old, and, you know, we can't just take them at face value, and I'll tell you why. Because if we just take them at face value, something will happen in our life to test our faith. And if we do not have the witness of the Spirit, we will throw out those words. But if we have the witness of the Spirit, nothing that happens to us, short of us denying the Holy Ghost, I would say, um, can take that away if we are willing to soften our hearts. If we harden our hearts against it, obviously, then then we lose it. And we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that in uh, in Alma twelve. But this notion of you know the scriptures, the importance of the scriptures, um, we'll get it in the next verse also. Um, Alma thirty seven. Verse 9, Yea, I say unto you, were it not for these things that these records do contain, which are on these plates, Ammon and his brethren could not have convinced so many thousands of the Lamanites of the incorrect tradition of their fathers. Yea, these records and their words brought them, brought them unto repentance. And that is, they brought them to the knowledge of the Lord their God and to rejoice in Jesus Christ their Redeemer. So another, another hearkening to the, the need we have of scriptures and the importance of scriptures because they are the past tense of somebody speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost. That we might know by their words what the truth is. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, we may know the truth of all things. DNC 68.4 And whatsoever they, they shall speak, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, shall be scripture, shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. Now, as we look at this verse, this is where we see the, uh, 
where we see the definition that the Lord gives in the Doctrine and Covenants defining what he means in DNC 138, whether by my own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. The catalyst, or the qualifier rather, is it's only what they speak when they're moved by the power of the Holy Ghost is scripture. Anything else is not scripture. So <laughs> if somebody in, in, in an ecclesiastical position is speaking and not by the power of the Holy Ghost, it is not scripture. It is not the mind of the uh, mind of the Lord. Looking at that scripture again, it is not the will of the Lord. It's not the mind of the Lord. It's not the word of the Lord, and it's not the voice of the Lord. So this is the importance that we need to take upon ourselves. We are all responsible to know how to receive revelation. We are all responsible to to know how to put on that filter of the Holy Ghost, to have ears that hear, to have eyes that see and a heart that understands so that we can know true servants. And by, uh, you know, by extension, we can know false servants also. And this will go back into the, uh, the scripture I mentioned earlier about taking the Holy Spirit as our guide, because as a part of that is... Uh, that we are not deceived. And this is the means by which we are not deceived by donning that filter of the Holy Ghost, of receiving pure intelligence, of receiving revelation as the, the final note on any subject that is given to us. DNC 40, or sorry, Alma 3226. We'll get into... Uh, briefly, you know, some of the the ways that we need to, uh, like how we actually receive revelation. And I know that this is a cause for concern for a lot of people because a lot of times we're like, you know, I pray and I don't receive anything. So how can I know if somebody's receive if somebody's speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost if I don't even receive revelation. If I don't even hear the word of the Lord, how do I do that? So, in Alma 32, starting in verse 26. Now, as I said concerning faith, that it was not a perfect knowledge, even so it is with my words. You cannot know of their surety at first unto perfection any more than faith is a perfect knowledge. Now, this does not discount the opportunity we often have to receive simultaneously both the words of a servant and the witness of the Holy Ghost at the same time. It's just indicating that there is a process to it. Sometimes that process is simultaneous, but it's indicating that there is a process. Okay. And I'm going to continue. Behold, if you will awake and arouse your faculties, even to an experiment upon my words and exercise a particle of faith, yea, even if he can no more than desire to believe. 
Let this desire work in you, even until you believe in a manner that you can give place for a portion of my words. Now we will compare the word unto a seed. Now, if ye give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, and I'm going to add parenthetically here, this is the allowance of being pricked. This is the allowance of when we're pricked that we don't immediately cast it out. We don't immediately get angry. We don't immediately throw it away because it is foreign, I would even say. Now, if you give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if ye do not cast it out by your unbelief, as I just mentioned, that you will resist the spirit of the Lord. Behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts. And when you feel these swelling motions, you will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the word is good for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. Now behold, would not this increase your faith? I say unto you, yea, Nevertheless, it has not, it hath not grown up to a perfect knowledge. But behold, as the seed swelleth and sprouteth and beginneth to grow, then you may say that the seed is good. For behold, it swelleth and sprouteth and beginneth to grow. And now behold, will not strengthen the, will not this strengthen your faith? Yea, it will strengthen your faith. For ye will say, I know that this is a good seed. For behold, it sprouteth and beginneth to grow. So he's giving, he's giving process here of receiving and, and testing what is happening to me. What is, what is the experience that I'm having? And now behold, uh, verse 31, are you... Are you sure that this is a good seed? I say unto you, yea, for every seed bringeth forth unto its own likeness. Therefore, if a seed groweth, it is good. But if it groweth not, behold, it is not good. Therefore, cast it. Therefore, it is cast away. And now behold, because ye have tried the experiment and planted the seed, and it swelleth and sprouteth and beginneth to grow, ye must needs know that the seed is good. Now I'm going to I'm going to throw something out here. Because in my journey with Jesus Christ, as I came to a point where I just wanted to be in his presence, like more and more and more, <laughs> and and I couldn't push it off anymore. That in and of itself was was its own seed. That premise of the Lord wants me to come into his presence in the fullness of his glory. He wants me to enter into his rest. So that, that seed was planted several years ago. Um, even before my mission, during my mission. Um, and, and it would not go away. And as I, began a journey to come closer to Christ. I started, I started hearing things that were foreign to me. 
And I would just, you know, I would, I would put them away. I would put them on the shelf. I would cast them aside outright. Um, and so, you know, one interesting thing is those things that were true principles, even if they were uncomfortable in the moment, they did as was uh, described in, you know, starting in 30, but also uh, 31 and 32. Um, in verse 31, are you sure this is a good seed? I say unto you, yea, for every seed bringeth forth unto its own likeness. Therefore, if a seed groweth, it is good. If it groweth not, or if it doesn't stick, I would say, behold, it is not good. Therefore, it is cast away. I want to give a hearkening to the the wording of, you know, the stupor of thought. As, uh, as told to... Oliver Cowdery in DNC, I want to say six. Is that right? Okay. Okay. Okay, it's not six, it's nine, eight and nine. Okay, but behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask if it be right. If it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. But if it is not right, you, should, right, you shall have so no, no such feelings. Sorry. But you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write which is sacred, save it be given you from me. So in this process, these, these different premises, even though I would even say that I would cast the seed away, yet they were true principles, even though they were uncomfortable. And because they had been planted and because I had been seeking, they still kept a spot to be hearkened unto later. And I would find that as I studied things out more and as I softened my heart, because previously I was hardening my heart, I was hardening the ground upon which the seed could be planted. Luckily, uh, you know, by the mercy of God, some of those seeds just stuck around <laughs> until, <clears throat> until the soil of my heart was such that it could sink in and begin to, to germinate. Okay, back in uh, Alma 32. And now behold, verse 33, beho uh, because you have tried the experiment and planted the seed and it swelleth and sprouteth and beginneth to grow, you must know that the seed is good. And now behold, is your knowledge perfect? Yea, your knowledge is perfect in that thing and your faith is dormant. And this because you know, for ye know that the word hath swelled your souls and you know that it hath sprouted up, that your understanding doth begin to be enlightened, and your mind doth begin to expand. I'm going to jump to uh, 
uh, verse 36. I mean, you know what? Might as well read 35 too. Oh, then is this not real? I say unto you, yea, because it is light, and whatsoever is light is good, because it is discernible. Therefore, you must know that it is good. And now behold, after you have tasted this light, is your knowledge perfect? Behold, I say unto you, nay, neither must ye lay aside your faith, for ye have only exercised your faith to plant the seed, that ye might try the experiment to know if the seed was good. And behold, as the tree beginneth to grow, ye will say, let us nourish it with great care, that it may get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit unto us. Now behold, if ye, will, if ye nourish it with much care, it will get root and grow up and bring forth fruit. And he's describing here the metaphor of the actual process that we've, that we've read in uh, several scriptures tonight of that process of receiving first. By somebody speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, mortal, angel, doesn't matter. Somebody speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost and us planting that seed us nourishing it and us beginning to enter the new covenant, exercise a broken heart and contrite spirit, receive revelation and act on it. That is nourishing this seed. And we could say that, uh, you know, there's a general seed of just, uh, you know, seeking after the Lord and, and smaller seeds that are, you know, principles even, um, you know, a principle of truth. Is this thing true? I'm going to plant that seed. Okay. In verse 37 again, behold, as the, as the tree beginneth to grow, you will say, let us nourish it with great care that it may get root, that it may grow up. And bring forth fruit unto us. And now behold, if ye nourish it with much care, it will get root and grow up and bring forth fruit. But if ye neglect the tree and take no thought for its nourishment, behold, it will not get any root. And when the heat of the sun cometh and scorcheth it, because because it hath no root, it withers away and ye pluck it up and cast it out. Now this is not because the seed was not good. Neither is it because... The fruit thereof would not be desirable, but it is because your ground is barren and ye will not nourish the tree. Therefore, ye cannot have the fruit thereof. And thus, if ye will not nourish the word, looking forward with an eye of faith to the fruit thereof, ye can never pluck of the fruit of the tree of life. <clears throat> if we never receive by the power of the Holy Ghost and nourish it and continue in that nourishment, we will never come into the rest of the Lord. But if you will nourish the word, yea, nourish the tree as it begins to grow by your faith with great diligence and with patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root and behold, it shall be a tree springing up unto everlasting life. And because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word and nourishing it, that it may take root in you. Behold, by and by ye shall pluck of the fruit thereof, hearkening to uh, the vision of the tree of life, the tree being Jesus Christ, and eternal life being that which he gives. And by 
uh, by and by ye shall pluck the fruit thereof, which is most precious, which is sweet above all that is sweet, and which is white above all that is white, yea, pure above all that is pure, and ye shall feast upon this fruit, even until ye are filled, but ye hunger not, neither shall ye thirst. Then, <clears throat> my brethren, ye shall reap the rewards of your faith. Ye shall reap the fruit of seeking after receiving and acting on revelation and your diligence and patience and long suffering waiting for the tree to bring forth fruit unto you or your diligence, patience, long suffering, waiting for the day when the Lord calls you up into his presence and offers you that proverbial fruit. Okay. All right, uh, DNC 46, 7 and 9, 7 through 9. So this is the means by which we know, and we've hearkened to it, but it's good to have the scripture here that we might know that it's scripturally based. But ye are commanded in all things, before I get to that, let me set a premise here. There are three sources by which we might receive information, um, experiences, or um, I wouldn't even say revelation. That is God, man, and devils, the adversary. So of the three of these, God is the only one who cannot lie. He is incapable of lying. Man is capable of lying. Devils, that's all that they do. If they say any truth, it's in the framework of lying to you about something. So, going back to the scripture with that framework, this is, this is how we need to act that we might be able to receive and understand and discern that which is coming from God, that which is coming from man, and that which is coming from devils. But ye are commanded in all things to ask of God, who giveth liberally, and that which the Spirit testifies unto you, even so I would that ye should do in all holiness of heart, walking uprightly before me, considering the end of your salvation. The hearkens to what we just read in Alma 32, considering the end of your salvation, or looking forward to the fruit, doing all things with prayer and thanksgiving, that ye may not be seduced by evil spirits or doctrines of devils or the commandments of men for some are of men and others of devils. Wherefore beware lest ye are deceived that ye may not be deceived and that ye may not be deceived. Seek ye earnestly the best gifts, always remembering for what they are given for verily I say unto you, they are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep all my commandments. And him that seeketh so to do, that all may be benefited that seek or that ask of me, that ask and not for a sign that they may consume it upon their lusts. So this is an important aspect of seeking revelation, of seeking to know what is true God expects us to act. 
He expects us to do with what we have been given and not just receive it and sit on it. That is an understanding of consuming it upon our lusts or sign seeking. If we want to, um, if we're seeking after, after a gift of the spirit, if we're seeking, um, I would like to have a vision. I would like to see an angel. I would like to have, uh, you know, speak by the power of the Holy ghost. I would like to, you know, whatever it is, if it is for the purpose of just gratifying our curiosity or puffing ourselves up in our status before God, then it is consuming it upon our lusts. And that is not the, the reason why God gives gifts. Harkening back to that chain that, uh, that we talked about at the beginning of being made between one person speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, another receiving. Now they receive and they share and so on and so on and so on. Going back to, uh, to this verse. In uh, verse 8, that you may not be deceived, seek ye earnestly the best gifts, always remembering for what they are given. They're not given simply for your edification. You may be edified thereby, we may be edified thereby, and we are blessed by receiving these gifts of the Spirit. However, that's not meant to be the end. The, uh, the reason for which remembering for what they are given is that they may benefit those who love me. It's not simply the receiver. It's those outwardly in our, in our entourage, in our, uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say, our, our sphere of influence. That's what I'm trying to say. We are expected to give the gifts that we are given. To share the light, you know, God lights our candle. And we've probably all gone through this uh, or seen this uh, this happen. But you get a candle, you light it. You, you give that light, you light somebody else's candle. You don't lose your own light, but you spread it. And that is the point. God wants to spread his light in this world of darkness. And that is the reason why he gives gifts to mortals and calls them to the work to share those gifts. And specifically for the purposes of tonight, to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. And just to, just to put the nail in that coffin, James 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Seeking after, not just seeking after, but receiving and acting on revelation. For he that wavereth, let me start in uh, six again, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So. This is important to know as we are receiving and seeking to know what is true. If we go to the Lord 
with our mind made up, then we're not asking with real intent. And like it says, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. What we need to do is consider ourselves fools before the Lord. We need to consider we do not know everything. And even those things of which we have a testimony, even those things that have been uh, born witness by the power of the Holy Ghost, if we assume that we know the ins and outs um, from A to Z of the understanding of that witness, and we cut off any further clarification of that, then we harden our hearts, we uh, harden the soil, and we do not receive the seeds of truth which the Lord is trying to plant. The Lord is the sower trying to plant the uh, the seeds of truth. And so we have to be open to whatever is truth, even if it's new, even if it is unfamiliar, even if it is uncomf- uh, uncomfortable. And oftentimes, if it's uncomfortable, there's there's a good chance that it's, uh, it's taking us out of our comfort zone. Uh, well, sorry, that it's a good Lord. Uh, it's a good indicator that the Lord is trying to take us out of our comfort zone. Thanks for letting me clarify that. Um, and, and we should all seek to be made uncomfortable by the Lord because wherever we are, it's not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be continually progressing and learning. And if we stay in a comfort zone, we do not progress. Uh, we do not continue to learn. We do not receive light and knowledge. And as is intimated in um, let's go quickly to uh, to Alma twelve verses nine through eleven. So think of our of where we are that we're on a river and it is continually flowing and if we stagnate we are moving down river but we are given sufficient strength to be able to swim up river and actually progress and now Alma began to expound these things unto him saying it is given unto many to know the mysteries of God. Nevertheless, they are laid under a strict command that they shall not impart only according to the portion of his word, which he doth grant unto the children of men, according to the heed and diligence which they give unto him. And therefore, he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God until he know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts, to them is given the lesser portion of the word until they know until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. And then they are taken captive by the devil and led by his will down to destruction. Now this is what is meant by the chains of hell. 
Okay, so how can we make sure that our hearts are right before the Lord, that we'll accept the word with gladness? That we're in that state where the soil is continually soft. We're continually sifting it. Um, it doesn't get hard. It doesn't dry out. We're continually cultivating that soil of our heart to be able to continue to receive. In 2 Nephi 2, 16... We see that, wherefore the Lord God gave unto man that he should act for himself, wherefore man could not act for himself, save it should be that he was enticed by one or the other. So we have to see ourselves in this constant state of reception that both God and the adversary are trying to plant seeds. And we have to be enticed by one or the other and both God and the adversary are trying to entice us with their seeds. Now, 2 Nephi 33.1. And now I, Nephi, cannot, cannot write all the things which were taught among my people. Neither am I mighty in writing, like unto speaking. For when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it unto, unto the hearts of the children of men. It stands at the door and knocks. Okay? Let's go to verse 2 also. But behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the, against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them. Therefore they cast many things away which are written, and esteem them as things of naught. Now, I think this is a good opportunity uh, to go to 2 Nephi 28, verse 28. And in fine, woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness, and he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth lest he shall fall. So hearkening back to what I was saying, if we get angry or if we are uncomfortable by something that is presented to us, it does not necessarily mean that it's not true. What the truth is <clears throat> and us receiving it is based on what do I want? Do I want to be yoked with Christ or do I want to be right in my traditions? Do I want to be right in the things that I've always been taught and always been told are true? Do I want truth more than being right? And am I willing to receive whatever is true, even if it might be uncomfortable? Okay. And uh, 3 Nephi 19.33. And the multitude did hear and do bear record, and their hearts were open, and they did <clears throat> understand in their hearts the words which he prayed. So it's that uh, 
it's an example of those who are with Christ at Bountiful. And they are, you know, they want to be with him. They want what is true. And they are availing themselves of the truth and of the light of Christ. They're softening their hearts to be able to receive. Now, how can we recognize if our hearts are softening or hardening against the truth? We just read 2 Nephi 33, 2. If we can go through, go back to that real quick, we'll read it one more time. Behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit that it hath no place in them. Wherefore, they cast many things away which are written and esteem them as things of naught. And we read 2 Nephi 28, 28 also. Those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. So if we're getting angry because of something that is being offered to us, we should probably take a step back and say, why am I getting so angry? Might not I just plant this seed and take it to the Lord and let him sift it? Why should I, why should I get angry? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, there you go. There is a, uh, there is a fruit of, uh, of one that hardens their heart. DNC 84, 23 and 24. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. He was seeking to get them on that path of sanctification by the power of the Holy Ghost that they might there, excuse me, thereafter behold the face of God. They might be prepared to go from that gate to the tree and come into the presence of God, but they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Next, Alma 12, 9 through 11. We just read that. Um, those who um, I will focus on 10 and 11. He that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. So as another sign, aside from getting angry, is am I progressing? Am I receiving further light and knowledge? Am I having greater experiences with the Lord? Now, experiences are in the Lord's own time and in the Lord's own way, and we do not force them. However, if we, if we are not increasing our desire and our diligence in seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, we can know by default that we're hardening our heart. So if we feel like we're in a place of stagnation, that's a good place to go back to the Lord and say, Heavenly Father, I want to progress to thee. I want to progress to Jesus Christ. I want to receive the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, if one has not received it already. 
I want to receive revelation. I want to know what thou would have me do to be less of an unprofitable servant. We'll always be unprofitable servants, but maybe we can be less <laughs> unprofitable. Um, going back to the verse here. <clears throat> He that will not harden his heart to him is given the greater portion of the word until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God until he know them in full. And they that will harden their hearts to them is given the lesser portion of the word until they know nothing concerning his mysteries. Again, going, uh, floating down that river. <laughs> if we're stagnating, we're actually digressing. Okay. Mosiah 13.1, going to bounce here from one to another to show the, uh, the progression of one who is hardening their heart. So 13.1, and now when the king, king, uh, king Noah, had heard these things, he said unto his priests, away with this fellow and slay him, for what have we to do with him? Chapter 17, verse 1. And now it came to pass that when Abinadi had finished these sayings, that the king commanded that the priest should take him and cause that he should be put to death. And then verse 3. But the king was more wroth and caused that Alma should be cast out from among them and sent his servants after him that they might slay him. And we're going to come back to verse 2. Um, when we're talking about those who are softening their heart. But let's go forward to uh, to verse 5 to focus on King, uh, King Noah, who is hardening his heart. And it came to pass that the king caused that his guards should surround Abinadi and take him, and they bound him and cast him into prison. And after three days, having counseled with his priest, he caused that they should again be uh, that he should again be brought before him. And he said unto him, Abinadi, we have found an accusation against thee, and thou art worthy of death. And verses 11 and thir uh, through 13. And now King Noah was about to release him. So here is a point where he has an opportunity to soften. For he feared his word. For he feared that the judgments of God would come upon him which is a good step in softening and softening one's heart. But the priests lifted up their voices against him and began to accuse him, saying, He has reviled the king. Therefore, the king was stirred up in anger against him, and he delivered him up that he might be slain. And it came to pass that they took him and bound him and scourged his skin with faggots, yea, even unto death. Alma 14. One through eight, and it came to pass that after he, uh, Alma, had made an end of speaking unto the people, many of them did believe on his words and began to repent and to search the scriptures. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Um, this is. Okay, yeah, this is uh, Alma and Amulek. Sorry. 
But the more part of them were desirous that they might destroy Alma and Amulek, for they were angry with Alma because of the plainness of his words unto Zeezrom. Again, they're angry. And they also said that Amulek had lied unto them and had reviled against their law and also against their lawyers and judges. So not only are they uh, angry, but they are twisting words. They are being deceptive. They're lying. And they were also angry with Alma and Amulek because they had testified so plainly against their wickedness. They sought to put them away privily because they had testified so plainly against their, uh, their wickedness. Verse four, but it came to pass that they did not, but they took them and bound them with strong cords and took them before the chief judge of the land. And the people went forth and witnessed against them. Scroll down a little bit. And uh, testifying that they had reviled against the law and their lawyers and judges of the land and also of all the people that were in the land and also testified that there was but one God and that he should send his son among the people, but he should not save them, which again is a lie because Amulek specified what he meant when he was saying that. And many such things did the people testify against Alma and Amulek. And this was done before the chief judge of the land. Verse 6. And it came to pass that Zeezrom was astonished at the words which had been spoken. And he also knew concerning the blindness of the minds which he had caused among the people by his lying words. And his soul began to be harrowed up under a consciousness of his own guilt. Yea, he began to be encircled about by the pains of hell. And it came to pass that he began to cry unto the people, saying, Behold, I am guilty, and these men are spotless before God. So we see here that Zeezrom is beginning to transition from a hardness of heart to a softness of heart. And he began to plead for them from that time forth. But they reviled him, saying, Art thou also possessed with the devil? And they spit upon him and cast him out from among them. And also all those who believed in the words which had been spoken by Alma and Amulek. And they cast him out and sent men to cast stones at them. And they brought their wives and their children together. And whoso believed or had been taught to believe in the word of God, they caused that they should be cast into the fire. And they brought forth their records, which contained the Holy Scriptures, and cast them into the fire also, that they might be burned and destroyed by fire. So it might seem extreme that one uh, that an equation is made of one who hardens their heart to one who is prepared to commit murder however we see this pattern over and over again starting here in this example that the people of Ammonihah were so hardened in their hearts against the spirit of god However, they were open to the enticings of the adversary. And he planted and planted and planted until they descended into this place where they were willing to commit murder. Now, 14, uh, starting in uh, verse 14 in that same chapter. <laughs> Now it came to pass that when the bodies of those who had been cast in the fire were consumed and also the records which were cast in with them, the chief judge of the land came and stood before Alma and Amulek and they were bound and he smote them 
with his hand upon their cheeks and said unto them, after what ye have seen, will ye preach again again unto this people that they shall be cast into a lake of fire and brimstone. Verse 15. Behold, ye see that ye had not power to save those who had been cast into the fire. Neither has God saved them because they were of thy faith. And the judge smote upon smote them again upon their cheeks and asked, what say ye for yourselves? Now I'll summarize uh, what happens um, just for time so we can get to, uh, you know, the the final touches here. Um, so they go and they continue to smite them. And they, uh, they even say, how shall we look when we're damned? And so they get to a mocking of, of true servants of God. And it comes to the place where they are final in, uh, in their depravity. And Alma and Amulek, Arise, filled with the power of God, and doing so, crying out unto the Lord, I would submit parenthetically by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they are receiving the words to say, and they're receiving, it is time to act. That the, by the power of God, the, the jail is, uh, is brought down by the power of God. And those who are there within, except for Alma and Amulek, are slain. Now, verse uh, 15, verse 15. But as to the people that were in the land of Ammonihah, they yet remained a hard-hearted and a stiff-necked people, notwithstanding all of these proofs. And they repented not of their sins, ascribing all the power of Alma and Amulek to the devil. For they were of the profession of Nehor and did not believe in the repentance of their sins. Now, I would suggest that there will come a time, even soon, when those who are called of God will be preaching hard things to those who are hard of heart and will drive them in a sifting of wheat and tares to the, where the tares will be so hard in their hearts that they are willing to commit murder. And not simply that they didn't believe in a repentance as a principle of their sins, but they will not believe that they have any sins of which to repent. They will not believe that they have any false traditions that they need to throw out. They will not believe that their leaders who are being preached against are false. But they will ascribe the preaching by the power of the Holy Ghost. They will ascribe the um, any miracles that are done by true servants of God. They will ascribe all those things to the devil because they are not willing to soften their hearts. And they're not willing to consider themselves fools before God and ask, might I be incorrect? Okay. Chapter 16, two and three, real quick. 
For behold, the armies of the Lamanites had come upon the wilderness side unto the borders of the land, even to the city of Ammonihah, and began to slay the people and destroy the city. And now it came to pass before the Nephites could raise a sufficient army to drive them out of the land. They had destroyed the people who were in the city of Ammonihah and also some around the borders of Noah and taken others captive into the wilderness. And I would submit that just as there are those among us who will be tares, who will cast out not only cast out, but be driven to murder those who are true servants, they will also, just as those in the people of Ammonihah, be destroyed. They will come to destruction. For that is the end that is met by those who cast out those who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost and stone them and slay them. Okay, to the softening portion, uh, Acts 10, verses, uh, starting in 42 through 48. And he commanded us to preach, this is Peter speaking, to, uh, to a new source of Gentiles, uh, Cornelius and his people. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he Jesus, which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead, to give uh, to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive a remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which believed, which were, uh, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So just as Amulek, who had previously hardened his heart, softened it when he received Alma. He caused him to be with him and minister to him and to his family. Next, Mosiah verse, or chapter 4, verse 2. And they had viewed themselves, the people of King Benjamin, after his discourse in chapter 3, they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, Oh, have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins, and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. So not only do we make place for those who speak by the power of the Holy Ghost and receive them, but we are caused, even as we saw with Zeezrom, we are caused to see ourselves and the gulf that stands between us and Jesus Christ and us and Father, and we humble ourselves to the point where 
I mean, we cry out for mercy. We cry out seeing how sinful, how nothing we are. And how great and high above us Jesus Christ is. And it is all that we can do to desire to be pure, to be cleansed, to be taken from our awful state. It makes me think of Alma when, uh, you know, this is, this is his exhibition of this principle also, that he is brought down low and harrowed up. And he cries out unto God and pleads that he might be clean through Jesus. And in doing so, he receives the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Mosiah 16.1, just briefly, hearkening back to where we were. And now it came to pass. That after, let me think, that after Abinadi had spoken these words, he stretched forth his hand and said, The time shall come when all shall see the salvation of the Lord. When every nation, kindred, tongue, and people shall see eye to eye and shall confess before God that his judgments are just. Forgive me, I think I queued up the wrong scripture. I think I meant Alma 16.1. Let me check. No, it's all right. Okay, Alma, we just went through that. Helaman 5, uh, 40 through 45 and 50 and 52. And it came to pass that the Lamanites said unto him, What shall we do that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us? Again, what do we need to do recognizing the darkness in which we find ourselves to get out of it? And Aminadab said unto them, You must repent and cry unto the voice, even until ye shall have faith in Christ, who was taught unto you by Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. And when ye shall do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. And it came to pass that they did begin to cry unto the voice of him who had shaken the earth. Yea, they did cry even until the cloud of darkness was dispersed. And it was not dispersed, I would submit here. Uh, reading between the lines, that it did not come until they were sufficiently offering a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Because what happens next is the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass that when they cast their eyes about and saw that the cloud of darkness was dispersed from overshadowing them, behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. And Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them, yea, they were encircled about, yea, they were as if in the midst of a flaming fire, yet it did harm them not. Neither did it take hold upon the walls of the prison, and they were filled with that joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. And behold, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts, and they were filled as if with fire, and they could speak forth marvelous words. And then going down to 50, not only are we caused to receive this joy and this cleansing and sanctification, but, and it came to pass that they did go forth and administer unto the people, declaring throughout all the regions round about, 
all the things which they had heard and seen, insomuch that the more part of the Lamanites were convinced of them because of the greatness of the evidences which they had received. And as many as were convinced did lay down their weapons of war, and also their hatred and the tradition of their fathers. And it came to pass that they did yield up unto the Nephites the lands of their possession. So here are fruits that we can see that not only, you know, where hardening the heart causes us to anger, softening our heart causes us to love, causes us to forgive, causes us to seek forgiveness and to repent and to make amends where we have done wrong. Alma 17, 4. And then after that, 18, one through three, one after the other. And they had been teaching the word of God for the space of 14 years among the Lamanites, having had much success in bringing many to the knowledge of the truth. Yea, by the power of their words, many were brought before the altar of God to call on his name and confess their sins before him. And remember, this is speaking of Alma and the sons of Mosiah who had previously been in sin and trying to destroy the church of God or those who had taken the new covenant and were seeking to exercise a broken heart and contrite spirit who had received the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost and were seeking that path or seeking to proceed on that path into the presence of the Lord. And now, after they had repented, they had gone forth with power. And 18, 1 through 3, it came to pass that King Lamoni caused that his servants should stand forth and testify to all things which they had seen concerning the matter. And when they had testified the things which they had seen, and he had learned of the faithfulness of Ammon in preserving his flocks and also his great power in contending against those who sought to slay him, he was astonished exceedingly and said, surely this is more than a man. Give me one second. Okay. Let's go. Apologize for that. That's not the scripture I was looking for. And that is my fault. Um, basically, we see here, without going into the full details or the scriptures of Lamoni, his father, his wife, um, their peoples, they're given, they're spoken to by the power of the Holy Ghost, and it pricks their hearts, and they they come down into the depths of humility before God and they're cleansed and then they begin to minister. Now to close, I want to address how does one speak by the power of the Holy ghost? If one wants to receive and one wants to thereafter become a servant of God, not, not seeking one's own aggrandizement, but because when you are cleansed by God and you're given to by God, it's all you can do to want to help others to receive the same thing because it brings you so much joy. So how to do this? Um, you know, some simple 
parts, uh, some formula that we can implement. First Nephi 10:17, which we have read previously, but just to illustrate this point. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. He received power by exercising faith, by seeking after receiving and acting on revelation. In receiving and being faithful to that which he received, he received, he did. He received, he did. We see that with the brother of Jared also. Um, we see that with a lot of <laughs> a lot of the servants in the Book of Mormon. But this specifically, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. Fast forwarding. Um, I was desirous to know. Uh, I was de desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. Diligently seeking him. Um, I received a rebuke a year or two ago where the Spirit said, Seek my will. Don't just be open to my will. So I was going through my day. I was willing to be told or impressed with something that the Spirit would have me do. However, the rest of the time I was just doing my own thing. And he rebuked me and said, seek my will. So actively, proactively, seek the will of God. Seek revelation of what he would have me do. Receive it and then go and act on it. Okay, Alma 17, 2 through 5. Now the sons of Mosiah were with Alma at the time the angel first appeared unto him. Therefore, Alma did rejoice exceedingly to see his brethren, and what added more to his joy, they were still his brethren in the Lord. Yea, they had waxed strong in the knowledge of the truth, for they were men of a sound understanding. And they had searched the scriptures diligently that they might know the word of God. So here, before we go to three, we get an indication that not only seeking um, the external or, or seeking the direct word of the Lord, but we seek in the word that has already been given uh, to us in, uh, in scripture form given by those who have spoken by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they might know the word of God, searching the scriptures diligently. But this is not all. They had given themselves too much prayer and fasting. Therefore, they had the spirit of prophecy in the spirit of revelation, or in other words, and when they taught, they taught with power and authority. And in other words, they spoke by the power of the Holy Ghost. So they were able to be directed by the Lord and know what he would have them say. And this leads us to the next scripture. Helaman, excuse me, Helaman 13, 3 through 5. But behold, the voice of the Lord came unto him that he should return again and prophesy unto the people whatsoever things should come into his heart. 
And it came to pass that they would not suffer that he should enter into the city. Therefore he went and got upon the wall thereof and stretched forth his hand and cried with a loud voice and prophesied unto the people whatsoever things the Lord put into his heart. In verse 5, And he said unto them, Behold, I, Samuel, the La- a Lamanite, do speak the words of the Lord which he doth put into my heart. And behold, he hath put into my heart to say unto this people that the sword of justice hangeth over this people. For, and four hundred years pass not away, save the sword of justice falleth upon this people. When we are called unto repentance, we see it here. We see it with, um, with the prophets to whom Lehi listened, with Lehi himself. We see it over and over and over again that true servants, they come and they speak hard things. You are about to be destroyed and you need to repent. You need to turn to God. You need to offer a broken heart and a contrite spirit. You need to sacrifice your idols. You need to sacrifice your false traditions. They say hard things that make us uncomfortable because that is the thing that we need to hear in order to come out of our comfort zone. Because in our comfort zone, we're not with God. To close, DNC 45, 56 and 57. And at that day, which I will, I will give and take it to the Lord, that that day which is the end time context, the time preceding Christ's return, and imminently so, and uh, in that time which is peppered with destruction, through which the world has to go before Christ comes again, and at that day when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled, which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived. Verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. Let's look at uh, 58 also. The earth shall be given unto them for inheritance, and they shall multiply and wax strong. Children grow up without sin unto salvation. The the inference here in verse 57 is that those who are foolish and have not received the truth and have taken anything else other than the Holy Spirit to be their guide, and have, and have been deceived. Verily I say unto you, they shall be hewn down and cast into the fire and shall not abide the day. So we have a choice to make. And that choice is whether we will soften our hearts and learn how to hear by the power of the Holy Ghost. Those words which are not only given by revelation, but which are given by the words of true messengers. And I bear my witness that there are true messengers. 
on the earth right now. They are speaking. They're teaching. They have power and authority to baptize with water. And they have power and authority to administer the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Those ordinances, which are spoken of in DNC 84, 19 through 22, that which is prerequisite before we may enter into the presence of God, the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. I witness that not only that, uh, that there are servants going abroad in the land, even as in the days of Lehi, but I bear my witness that the Davidic servant is on the earth again, that it is Joseph Smith. I bear that witness because I have studied it out. I've taken it to the Lord and he's borne witness to me by the power of the Holy Ghost that it is true. And if you will seek out with real intent, with a softened heart, considering yourself a fool before God, he will manifest the truth of all things unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I bear that witness in the name of Jesus Christ, the only way. Amen.